Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash thedirectorscut. This episode takes us into the funny and dramatic world of the golden age of Hollywood with director Warren Beatty's new film, Rules Don't Apply. The film tells the story of Marla, an aspiring young actress who arrives in Hollywood under contract to the infamous Howard Hughes, played by Mr. Beatty. A devout Baptist, Marla is instantly attracted to her driver, an equally religious Methodist who is already engaged. The burgeoning attraction between the two violates Hugh's rule that no employee may have a relationship with a contract actress, and challenges their religious values as they are drawn deeper into Hugh's bizarre world. In addition to Rules Don't Apply, Mr. Beatty's directorial credits include the feature films Bullworth and Dick Tracy. He was nominated for the DGA's Feature Film Award alongside director Buck Henry for their 1978 feature Heaven Can Wait. Mr. Beatty also won both the DGA's Feature Film Award and the Best Director Oscar for his 1982 film, Reds. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Beatty discussed the making of Rules Don't Apply with another director and actor, Richard Benjamin. During their conversation, Mr. Beatty describes a typical day on set, tells the story of an unusual encounter with Howard Hughes at the Beverly Hills Hotel that inspired him to make the film, and reveals some of the directorial lessons he learned over his career from Mike Nichols, Alia Kazan, and Robert Altman. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, uh, just for a second, before we talk about this lovely film, which I've now seen twice, uh, can I embarrass you for a moment? Please. Okay. Uh, there are two people in the history of the Academy Awards who have gotten for the same picture, been nominated for acting, writing, directing, and producing. One of them is Orson Welles. The other one is this gentleman sitting right here. <clears throat> However, he did it twice. <clears throat> and he won the Academy Award for Directing for Reds and the DGA Award for the same picture. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, this picture, and I had the same feeling the second time I saw it, it is so surprising in so many ways, um, it uh, is affectionate and loving and something maybe we haven't seen for a while. Um, and it's imbued with such care and insight and wonders of wonders. It seems to be about something, uh, something else we don't see a lot of. Um, you know, you waited 16 years to make a picture. Don't do that again. Well, and every, me, every 16 years. Oh, yeah, every, yeah. Years. We'll meet here. It'll yeah. be fine, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, 
what was the thinking? What, you, listen, everybody that I know for the last maybe 10 or 20 years said two things. They always have the same conversation, which is, what were last weekend's grosses? And is Warren making a Howard Hughes picture? <laughs> and now here it is, and it's wonderfully surprising. What was the genesis of it? Well, the uh, correct answer to that is I don't know. But but um, to take a better stab at it, uh, I would say that, uh, excuse me, when I was, uh, you know, I came here in 1958. And uh, you guys remember 1958 very well, yes? Um, and um, and um, I, I always... Um, First of all, I, w I would say that I was always very amused by Howard Hughes, you know? Uh, uh, some little things that had happened were, were kind of interesting. And, um, but what interested me more was uh, the, um, what was going on with a kid who would come from Virginia uh, from the heart of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is still the largest religious organization in the country, and um, um, to, a, a, to a business who wanted to be successful in that business, and that business it had a lot to do with merchandising. Um, well, let's say the, um, let's call it um, sexiness. Um, uh, and uh, I wanted to make a movie about the uh, what I would say are often comical uh, consequences, but but also can be the sad consequences of what we have to call American uh, sexual puritanism. And uh, I think there were changes that were taking place in the late 1950s with. Uh, with the growth of feminism, I always considered myself a feminist, and uh, and then that continued through into the 60s and led to what we now call um, the um, sexual revolution of the 1960s. But but this 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 American sexual puritanism, which which um, uh, often uh, made us the laughing stock of France and uh, other countries. Uh, uh, it's still with us in in uh, when we have to uh, be entertained, and um, um, and it's uh, in this uh, this growth of the the technologies that we are uh, I would say both blessed and saddled with. Um, it, it comes up all the time with uh, various. Uh, outrageous scandals when we really should be thinking of more about maybe global warming or something, you know? So um, I would say that uh, what I, I um, tell me when I'm going on too long. The, um, um, <laughs> my initial uh, instinct to make a movie, including Howard Hughes, was when I came here, I had been lucky, you know, with Kazan. I made the first, his, that, uh, my first movie he directed, and and uh, and the movie was whatever you you know, call it, a hit or something. And then, and then when you're in it, that what makes you whatever you call that. And um, so uh, it's called I, a star. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I thought you. Uh, and so, so I, um, I, I would say I had a sensible. Um, uh, 
paranoia uh, about privacy. And, um, and um, I really have always sort of felt that a man who is not paranoid is a man who is not in full possession of the facts, you know. And, and so uh, I was staying at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and I thought some people were, you know, uh, watching me. They were watching out of, a, out of a, a, the next suite. The, the door was always open, and I thought, this is not good. So I uh, I called the desk and I I said um, who I was and I said I I want to tell you how disappointed I am that you have allowed the tabloids to uh, be uh, spying on me and they said could you hold on Mr Beatty and I said sure they came back and said, Mr Beatty those people are not with the tabloids I said well then how do you know I said well uh, they're with Mr Hughes and I said Howard Hughes. And they said, yes. And I said, are you telling me that Howard Hughes is in the next suite from me? And they said, well, we don't know. <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean you don't know? Well, he has seven suites. I said, seven suites? And they said, yes. And then confidentially, uh, he also has five bungalows. So I thought, wait a minute now. Seven suites and five bungalows, that, that is grounds for a good uh, French farce. <laughs> And and so I I knew I wanted to try to make it as amusing as possible, although it is an interesting subject, and uh, that that's sort of where it started in my head. But I've always been able to uh, take breaks between movies. I was very lucky; I didn't have to uh, do one after another. And I uh, I uh, and then, but the same thing happened with Bonnie and Clyde, or Shampoo, or Heaven Can Wait, or Reds, or any of those Bugsy, uh, Dick Tracy, all of them. Uh, and Bullworth, oh my God, that took forever. Uh, Don't you think Bullworth should be re-released right today? <laughs> well, uh, w w when we get into the subject of distribution and uh, exhibition, that's a big subject that I think is in a in quite a state of flux. Um, I don't think we have yet accepted what things are going to have to be because a lot of people um, uh, don't don't want to leave the house and uh, particularly uh, old people. And uh, when I say old, I mean people who are nineteen. You know uh, that. that uh, I don't know any old people. Yeah, no, I, I, because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there. I'm, I'll be, I'll be let, only forty-five soon. You know, I, yeah. Let me ask you: Did you sit down and write out a story? No. Um, what I, what I've always done is I, I kind of map out what I think is going to happen. And then I, and then I, um, I mean, don't you find, you know, this old axiom um, um, that um, character is plot. Well, then you got to say, particularly in movies, casting is character. So then casting is plot. So very much, um, you know, and particularly in movies, if there is a certain uh, person in a part, the the plot kind of works, but then you're kind of silly if you uh, don't adjust the plot to the character, etc. So you you sort of have to do all these things at the same time. I think before you really get ready to shoot. So it was evolving, and casting helped you uh, evolve this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How did you find Alden and Lily? 
Well, I had seen Alden and some things that he had done, uh, movies. He had done a thing with Francis, and he had done some uh, other things. And then I, I went and saw him in a play he, in New York. He had done, uh, he was at NYU. And um, I, I just, from the get-go, I thought, oh, he's, you know, he's the next Han Solo. Yeah, and, right. Uh, yeah. He was great in Hail Caesar. Right? Just hilarious yeah. in, in Hail Caesar. And then, uh, but... But both with Alden and Lily, I would say that I was very trusting of what I call the blink, you know, that you know right away, and then you try to deep think it, and then you get dumber and dumber. Well, I've, I, I trust the blink, uh, and I had that with both the two of them, that they had the, what would I call it, a level of um, intelligence and integrity and uh, determination, energy, uh, wit, and a genuine humility in both of them. Do, do you think that, I always think that movies can see your soul, they can see who you are. Do you, do you cast for who they are? They, they seem right for the part, but there's, is, do you see into them somehow? I'm gonna take a while with that one. Uh, all right. Um, I, I don't think you can yeah. lie. I don't think you can lie in in on a on a big screen like that. I think it's it's. I agree, yeah, and um, and um, yeah. It it it. Um, I'm lucky because I never had to cast a movie for uh, commercial purposes. Right, right. You know. Yeah. Because somebody would say this would be great in Europe or something, cast this person because they're good for the German market or something <laughs> yeah. like that. So. Well, yeah, it, it, um, I, I've been lucky. Uh, you know, another thing that adds to it uh, is the look of the picture. It's just beautiful, and it's so, it, it's so reminiscent of that exact period. You know, um, Paul and I were talking about those little hat box suitcases that they were carrying. <laughs> yeah. Every single prop, every yeah. little thing, every cinch belt, yeah. you know, a skirt and and all of that keep adding up. It's like um, uh, Frank Capra used to say that it was like a string of pearls and, you know, you couldn't have a bad one in there, then the whole thing isn't worth anything. Yeah. But looking at it, it it's, it's, it's feels like like the, the 60s. Did you and well, Caleb talk about stuff like that? Uh, yeah, and and uh, Albert, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, Albert Walski Walski, did yeah, a great so job. And Janine, and Janine. Great. I mean, uh, they're all kind of faultless, yeah. really. And what I'd like to do is to try to construct what I would call a, a, a dialectic in making a movie. Uh, not necessarily. I don't use the word arguments, but 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 dialectic mm -hmm. that someone feels free to tell you when they think you're full of baloney and you're wrong and so on and so and then you gotta and you feel free to answer them mm -hmm. in no uncertain terms mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and so uh, and and I think that uh, I always think of uh, with uh, of Albert and Janine and Caleb as be kind of kind of faultless mm -hmm. you know and but I, I there were times when I say are you sure you don't want to do uh, there was one thing, an, an, an idiosyncrasy of Hughes was that um, he really felt that, in my opinion, uh, that he um, 
he didn't want to be seen unless he could control how he was seen. And uh, it was possible in those days that's not possible today. It would not be possible to do what Greta Garbo did, you know? And um, so I, I think, um, for instance, in the lighting, um, Hughes didn't want to be in the light unless he knew exactly what was going to be happening. He was kind of a kind of a movie actor, you know what I mean? And um, and uh, so that's very challenging to uh, say, you know, can we have it even darker, you know? And then uh, you remember when, uh, well, when they in the sixties when they wanted to say Gordon Willis was terrible because he wouldn't have the lights on, you know? It it it. Uh, you know, it. it um, but uh, when you have a good group and uh, who who are happy participating in that dialectic, I think you can you can uh, get a lot done. You know. Do you lay out your day? Do you do you? Is it all? Do you know what shots you're going to do? Do you know exactly where you're going and where you want to be by the end of the day? I would like to say that I do that, but <laughs> I of course don't. Uh, <laughs> I I, um, I I I with this movie I I'm, I'm on schedule and on budget, mm -hmm. and I make a shot list, mm -hmm. and I think we got to get there, and sometimes you got to get there because you lo lose the location that day or whatever, but uh, I try to be flexible enough to uh, be happy with surprises that come up and uh, are better than what I had mm -hmm. in mind, you know. Um, What's your opinion of actors knowing lines? Interesting. Um, my, you mean, do I think actors should know their lines? Yes. Let's do another take on that. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I, I think, um, I think it's good to know your lines, yeah. uh, and um, I think uh, uh, that, and I, I like uh, people to improvise. As long as we have what was written, yeah. but very often what is improvised is better. Um, but I, uh, I think it's good to know lines. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, one of the things, one of the things I like, I like so much of everything in this picture. But they talk with real full voices. There's a kind of weird whisper acting that's going on in films, as if as if it's more real if you talk, uh -huh. and no one talks that way. And they talk like real people in a real room, the way human beings talk. Yeah, I think uh, that's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, is some of this, is this all location? Are there some sets? Uh, uh, we had some sets, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, but we were pretty lucky to get the locations, and then we 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 had uh, some help with the subsidy, the California mm. subsidy, which was nice. And um, I think um, it's there seems to be like an overall something about, as you were saying earlier, sexual repression at that time, and what it what it led to, and was it a good thing when? you know, all rules were off when there were no more rules, or was it good that there were some rules? So you had to... Are you talking about sexual rules? Yes. Yeah, I don't think they're off. Mm -hmm. 
and um, I think that we still uh, find for entertainment value, mm. basically exposing a scandal here or something. Yeah. There. And uh, I was uh, very interested. Um, a, a few weeks ago, I picked up uh, <laughs> the Wall Street Journal, and um, it uh, it talked about the uh, campaign between uh, John Quincy Adams and Andrew Jackson, and um, uh, one of uh, Jackson's uh, strongest attacks on John Quincy Adams is that he accused him of having had uh, sexual relations with his wife before he married her. <laughs> Outrageous. Yeah, outrageous, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Terrible thing. Um, so uh, I think it's a, it, it's something that um, is, is particular to America, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, to whether we want to go back and, and look more closely at the Massachusetts Bay Colony or Jamestown, Virginia. <laughs> we don't know quite uh, uh, what to do, but... Um, um, it might be f fun for you to know that. Uh, well, no, no, I, I don't. Yeah. No. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't do that. You can't okay, start no. something. Well, um, I, I I was thinking about the validity. Somebody was asking me about things that actually happened with Howard Hughes, and I said, you know, uh, you can't. Uh, that actually everything that happens in this movie, well, what I started to talk about was the scrunching of uh, chronologies, for one thing. The composite characters of, of, of Marla and Frank, who are made up of people that I had known, mm -hmm. um, and, um, and, but, but put together. And then every time I've done a movie that had somebody who lived in it, you know, who had actually lived, whether it's Bonnie and Clyde, or Bugsy, or, or, or Reds, um, you take all kinds of liberties. Um, in in doing these things, um, and and then um, uh, and and finally, and nobody ever complained on those movies. Um, but I, um, so I, I I kind of was freed up on this movie to say no. Okay, I know this took twenty years to happen, but let's happen have it happen in in two, so we can get to the uh, get to the point and. Um, uh, I, 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 I st this quote that I started of Howard Hughes in the beginning of the movie, which is uh, never, never check an interesting fact. Um, that was um, uh, something that um, I, I, I've, uh, originally I had three quotes. One was from Henry Ford, who said, "History is bunk." Uh, another one was from Winston Churchill, who said, history will be very kind to me because I intend to write it. <laughs> and then um, uh, I had a quote from Napoleon, who said, history is a set of lies agreed upon. Mm -hmm. But when you are doing a, a movie about uh, somebody that actually lived, you want to kind of be careful uh, and not go against the overall action of what what it is that you want to say. Uh, let me ask you, work with great directors, Mike Nichols and Robert Altman and Kazan. Uh, did you get stuff from them? Did you pick up stuff from them? Of course. Um, um, want to go one by one? Yeah, yeah. You name them and I'll okay, say. Okay, Kazan. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was not only a great director with actors, he really was organized. He knew uh, he had a responsibility to deliver the picture at a certain point, 
and he 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 knew uh, what he did. He uh, one thing I learned from him was uh, never go to the rushes. Uh, uh, if you're going to have to reshoot it, then that's a whole big thing. What are you going to gain? You're going to waste an hour. Mm. And uh, he was very insistent on nine hours of sleep. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that that's the thing. If I had to jump and say the big thing from Kazan. Mm -hmm. Next. Yeah, Nichols. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Well, you and I both worked with, uh, yep. with Mike. Um, hmm. The biggest thing I got from Mike... Be a good audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He, he was a great, yeah, he great. Was a, he was a great audience. audience. Yeah, yeah. He, he almost could kid you into the part. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah great audience. Altman. Bob Altman was um, nothing if not flexible, um, and uh, he was an extremely. Did Did you work with Altman? I no, no. He he was um, that picture that we made um, was. Uh, He'd be shooting with uh, maybe four or five cameras at once. Um, it was uh, we 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 wrote it as we went along. Really? Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> it, well, there were three by five cards, and then we and and there had been an original script. Um, I would say uh, Altman is one of the most talented yeah. uh, people who who would know uh, when. Uh, somebody had something to offer, and mm -hmm. he'd run with that ball. He was very open to improv uh, improvisation, and um, 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 knew he, he knew talent when he saw it. Mm -hmm. uh, can I ask you a philosophical question? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought when I started to direct, the first thing that came to my mind was that I'm going to find out who I am. Did you find out anything about yourself that you didn't know before you started to direct? I would take too long. <laughs> I, 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 um, that's a tough one for me. Uh, I, uh, Does it bring out something that you didn't know about, or? Well, I, 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 I. Uh, <laughs> I would relate it more to becoming uh, that thing that you called a movie. What? Thank you. Oh, Thank you. oh. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And uh, I, I remember a particular a moment, particularly a moment. It's Splendor in the Grass had come out, and it was hit, and so on. And um, I walked out of the Delmonico Hotel in New York to get into a, a limo to go to some thing. And there was a there were a group of young uh, girls there, and the and uh, and there was one girl who just said, "Oh, I can't believe it! I can't believe it! You're Warren Beatty." <laughs> I said, "Yes, thank you, thank you." And she said, "I just can't believe it! You're nothing." <laughs> and, and I thought. Oh, uh, uh huh. Uh, it, it didn't even hurt my feelings. No, I, I got no. into the car and I thought, now there's a learning moment. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. When I think of uh, uh, these uh, realizations about self, I would say it came more when I w was acting uh -huh. than 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 directing. Mm -hmm. uh, w what I 
when I began to direct, I, I kind of worked into it slowly because I went, I, I think from being a, a, a hired actor to being somebody who became a little bit of a, um, a guy who wanted to be in charge and wanted to be a, a, um, in a dialectic with a good uh, a committee, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. a good uh, uh, director and a good writer and, Honestly, I still feel that. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be with a group that uh, kind of has the same thing in mind than uh, get off onto some auteur uh, fantasy. Um, I, I, uh, I think it's fun when you can kick it back and it forth is, and, yeah. and, and you find out when you're wrong mm -hmm. and, and when people f uh, feel free enough to to say it, and uh, by the way, I wouldn't limit that to people that are on the set. I would say that's also, if you have, let's say, a studio that is interested enough to uh, say what they think, mm -hmm. I think that becomes more and more rare. Yeah. Uh, Do you think luck plays a part in this whole thing? Yeah. Do you or do you make your own, do you think? <sighs> Well, I think in commercial acceptance of anything, uh, luck and and outside factors uh, uh, make a big difference. Mm -hmm. if that, I mean, that, would you count that as luck? I I think I would. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you can see it in so many fields. Uh, what might happen this week nationally yeah. might not happen uh, three weeks later mm -hmm. or five weeks earlier. Uh, so I think there is a lot of luck in, uh, in public acceptance, mm -hmm. which would also mean commercial uh, success or commercial viability. I think, then, uh, in other words, outside conditions that you have no control uh, over. Mm -hmm. That's what I guess I would include uh -huh. as luck. Uh -huh. You made your own luck in uh, Roman Spring of Mrs. Stone, right? What does that mean? You went down to uh, Tennessee. Oh, oh, that's a good. You want me to tell that story? Yeah, tell that. Tell the uh, story. <laughs> um, well, I had made Splendor in the Grass. I got paid fifteen thousand dollars, and. Uh, I did not uh, have the intelligence to ask for expenses. And so I was a, a few thousand dollars in debt. But suddenly I was uh, somebody who said, oh, wow, you're Warren Beatty, you're nothing. <laughs> and, and so uh, I, I, I came out here and I thought, I, I don't want to play uh, a sensitive young guy and, and uh, I would like to do something different. You know, I don't want to be an, a, a juvenile. And out of nowhere comes the Roman Spring of Mrs. Stone. This is a thing written by Tennessee Williams, who was uh, Tennessee Williams. And, um, and there's Vivian Lee, who anybody who didn't have uh, a crush on her from childhood would be very unusual. And uh, they said, do you want to play this? And I said, <laughs> yes. Uh, he was a, a, what would you call him, a male... Uh, uh, um, gigolo, and um, 
you saved me on that. <laughs> the, and um, and so and then the, and then I was told Lottie Lenya was in the cast, and Jose Quintero was directing it, and it was great. And they're going to give me twenty thousand dollars. I thought, wow, twenty thousand dollars. This is great. And I was ready to go. And it wasn't a juvenile, you know. It was a gigolo. And and so uh, I um, I said to uh, I, I said this is great. And then I said, wait a minute, flag on the play. This is about two weeks later. And they said we're very very sorry, but Tennessee Williams has uh, approval of uh, the person who plays this part, and he thinks it should be an Italian. It must be an Italian. It, 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 and I thought, no, this gives me a chance to do an accent, and I can look Italian, and you know, I. I so uh, I, I was crushed, and um, so I, uh, I decided to uh, take action, and I called Audrey Wood. Do you remember who that was? Yeah, Audrey Wood. Great was, agent. Yeah. She was a great agent who handled Tennessee and Arthur Miller and Bill Inge and everybody, and uh, I called her and I said, uh, is there any chance that I um, could go and talk, should I go and talk to Tennessee Williams? And uh, uh, do you, she said, well, do you know him? I said, no, I've never met him. And, uh, but, you know, he has approval of the, uh, the cast and he wants only an Italian. So I thought, well, do you think I could go? And I said, where is he? Is he in New York? She said, no, he's in uh, Puerto Rico. I said, Puerto Rico. Well, he's depressed. A sweet bird of youth didn't go in the way that he, he uh, wanted it to go, and um, uh, he's uh, got an ulcer. He's got a stomach ulcer. Okay, so uh, I, uh, I what I did is I got a very um, spiffy uh, gigolo kind of suit, uh, uh, and uh, and then I put on something called mantan. Uh, Mantan, uh, I won't name the politician that I think of when I think of Mantan, but, but, but it, it was, uh, do you remember Mantan? It came off oh, of yeah. your shirt and yeah, everything, yeah, and yeah. it was kind of terrible. It and came off of everything. Yes, it's, yeah. it's true. And so I flew uh, to Puerto Rico. He was at the Cariba Hilton, and uh, I walked into the uh, hotel, and I called Tennessee Williams, and the, the phone didn't answer, and I said, do you have any idea where Mr. Williams might be? They, well, he may be in the, uh, in the, in the casino. So I, uh, I, I went into the casino, and uh, I, oh, I looked across the room, and it's Tennessee Williams. And he was kind of huddled over a blackjack table, and there was a, he just looked, he looked terrible, you know. And so I asked for a piece of paper, and I said, could you get me a glass of milk? My father had had an ulcer. In those days, they mistakenly treated ulcers with milk. Mm. And uh, I said, Bring, could I have a glass of milk? And I got that, and then I wrote, uh, whatever you say, whatever you say, and then I, sound, I, I signed it, Paolo. Mm -hmm. The, the name of the character, and I said, could you take it over to that guy that's at the, uh, the blackjack table? And he took it over to him, and he reads it, and he, he looks up, and he, he sees me, and I'm about as far as from here to there. May I use the F word? Would it be? It's okay with me. Uh, no, I'll, 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 I'll change it. He, said, he looks up and he sees me and he says, all right, you got the friggin' part. <laughs> and uh, so I then, um, I then hung around. How do you possibly know about this story? 
I don't know. I know. I think it's a great story because that's why I asked you before about luck because you made your own luck here. I mean, I think we have to do that, don't we? I, 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 uh, we have to be proactive. Well, in, I, uh, in yeah. That, Who I, else is going to yeah, do it? Who I, else is going to do it? Yeah, yeah. I, there's something in that. Yeah. I, I um, I had a uh, we're having some leaving gone from that story. Yeah. Uh, the uh, uh, what other what other stories have you heard? About <laughs> me that I can tell you. Well, they're um, not for here. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed this. Thanks for Thank coming. You. Thanks for listening to this DGA Q&A. Check out past episodes of the podcast by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website at dga.org slash podcast. We'll continue to have lots more episodes coming your way over the next several weeks, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.